Looking at that dark cloud out there, I may have an opportunity this morning to preach up a storm. <clears throat> Even worse than that, Ralph. Last Wednesday night, um, choir's not here because they got rained out, stormed out. And uh, as we were, a few of us that were here were leaving, uh, uh, Charles Hendricks' car decided to catch on fire. And he's fine, but we had to have the good people from the fire department come and put it out. And I don't know, but I have a feeling that all those guys that came to put out the fire were Baptist because they said they'd been waiting for something down here at the Methodist Church to catch on fire, and they were glad to see something. So, Good morning to you. <laughs> glad to see you here today, and uh, glad you've decided to come worship with us today, especially if you're visiting here. We're delighted to have you here, and uh, hope that you'll come back to worship with us on many, many future occasions. Um, you're always welcome. And we uh, give a special greeting and welcome to our fathers today, um, special, wonderful day that we celebrate. And there is this absolute truth, and that is if you were given the responsibility of being a father, there is nothing more important in life that you will uh, ever have or ever face. Uh, your best chance of, of affecting the future generations is by working diligently with your children in your home, and I really believe that. So um, we wish you a happy day, fathers, and, and remind you of your great, great importance. There are several announcements to bring to your atten attention. One is um, Wonderful Wednesday continues this week with Carnival Day. Kids are invited to join Miss Katie and Miss Leanna at the church from 9 a.m. to noon on Wednesday for fun games, crafts, and snacks. Contact Katie to register or register online at greerchurch.com. Second uh, annual family fun day at the lake will be next Sunday afternoon from 5 until 8 at Lake Robinson this time. Hope you will plan now to join us for food, fun, and fellowship. Please plan to bring a side dish or dessert to share. Um, meats and drinks will be provided, and the Methodist men will be churning homemade ice cream, which will be great. Um, Jessica wants uh, you to set some dates on the calendar. Uh, first of all, music camp for children will be August 1 to 4, from 9 in the morning until 11.30. And then on the 4th, which is... Uh, a Thursday night, there will be a dinner theater uh, production of what the kids have been working on all week, and that will be at 6:45. So um, put those dates on your calendar and and plan to be here for that. Council of Ministers will be meeting today at five, and the administrative board needs to meet next Sunday afternoon, uh, or next Sunday rather, right after the 11 o'clock worship service at approximately noon. Um, so a lot of announcements this morning. But anyway, good to see all of you. Hope you have a great day of remembering and celebrating uh, this holiday. Let us now worship God.
But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Amen. affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come and judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the last.
This time I invite the children to come forward to join me for a few moments of sharing.
Our Old Testament lesson is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is the canticle to the Holy Trinity on page 80 of your hymnal. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share uh, this historic uh, worship prose or, or psalm um, found on page 80. We praise you, O God. To you, all angels, all the powers of heaven, cherubim and seraphim, sing in endless praise. The glorious company of the apostles praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became incarnate to set us free, you humbly accepted the virgin's womb. You were seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come to be our judge. Save your people, Lord, and bless your inheritance. Day by day, we bless you. Keep us today, Lord, from all sin. Lord, show us your love and mercy. In you, Lord, is our hope. Our epistle lesson is from 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. Finally, brothers, goodbye. 
aim for perfection, listen to my appeal, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Here ends the lesson. Most weeks we conclude the pastoral prayer with the saying together of the Lord's Prayer, 
We're going to uh, omit that today because the Lord's Prayer will be sung for us uh, just following uh, the pastoral prayer. So let us at this time join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for that sense of mystery that we are left with when we come and try our best to understand how there can be one God and yet the Creator and the Son and the Spirit are, are together in that Godhead, one God, three persons. And Lord, there's not a way we can talk about that that our minds don't get confused and our tongue twisted. And so with simple hearts and minds, we come just to thank you for loving us and for expressing that love in some wonderful ways. You have given us life. You have given us time on this good earth that you created. And you've given us these fellow travelers to enjoy for our journey and people in other places as well. And how special it is that we are all sharing this time in your creation. And how awesome it is to think that in a hundred years, our offspring will be living together. If indeed that is your will and this earth continues, and they will live together and be special to one another at that time. And Lord, so we thank you for creating all that is, and we are thankful that when we left your way and disobeyed your will, you yourself in person came to find us and to bring us home. And we celebrate that Jesus, though he was in human flesh, was the divine Son of God in our midst. And we are grateful for his work, his teaching, as well as putting his life on the line for us and giving himself for us. And we're thankful for your spirit coming to us day by day to give us leadership and guidance, to whisper to us your will and way to help us make our way through this life never alone for you're always with us in the presence of your spirit we're also thankful that you so designed creation to where it takes a mother and a father for so much of your creatures that you created and you certainly designed your human children that way we're thankful that you place us in small units, our homes, where we might learn of your love and goodness to us. And this Father's Day, we give you thanks for the examples given to us by our earthly fathers, especially where their love closely reflected your love for us and where their discipline and guidance for us closely resembled your leadership and guidance and discipline for us. And we pray for those who are still on active duty as fathers in their homes, that you would give them 
your wisdom and guidance as they raise their children in these very difficult days. And for those of us who trust that our hard work is mostly over because our children are grown, we give you thanks for that wonderful time in the lives of our children where we can have a new kind of relationship with them. And as we remember, Lord, those that we called Father who are now in your presence, departed from us, but not from you. For these memories we give you thanks, and for the gift that you gave us in their lives, we are truly grateful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Now, the special hymn book that Lynn Clark gave me when I came here said y'all knew that one, but I don't know. <clears throat> Try to go by that still. Our uh, gospel lesson is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here ends the lesson. If you were raised in a Roman Catholic, Lutheran, or Episcopal church, you are used to the fact that most every Sunday has some special designation to it, some festival that is remembered. Now, we United Methodists like to have our special days also, but we usually connect a special offering with ours and uh, hit you up twice um, for uh, offerings on those days. But together with those other denominations, we do celebrate many of those special days, like Epiphany Sunday, Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday, Palm Sunday, Ascension Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, Reformation Sunday, All Saints Sunday, and Christ the King Sunday. And today is another special day, Trinity Sunday. The purpose of all these special days is, that, is so that the church can place particular emphasis on one important aspect of the faith, which otherwise might get overlooked and not given the importance that it deserves. For instance, Baptism Sunday makes us focus on the meaning of baptism. Christ the King Sunday gives us an annual visit with the second coming of Jesus. Pentecost Sunday draws attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Trinity Sunday allows us to wrestle with the divine mystery that tells us that the one God exists in three distinct persons, creator, redeemer, sustainer. Difficult as this is to understand, you ought to try to preach on it sometimes. In his book, The Word and the Words, author Colin Morris writes, Trinity Sunday is the preacher's waterloo. If he is wise, he will go down with the strategic bout of influenza the preceding day. If he suffers from a stern sense of duty, he will be forced to tie himself in verbal knots grappling with the ultimate mystery of God's nature. Indeed, the church could make an honest penny charging militant atheists an admissions fee for the pleasure of seeing and hearing Christian preachers battle their way through an intellectual maze which, at whatever point they enter it, soon has them helplessly lost. This is the one Sunday of the Christian year when the organist cannot afford to doze gently through the sermon, for she never knows when she will have to answer the preacher's distress signals 
by playing the opening bars of the final hymn to drown out the sound of groans of exhaustion coming from the pulpit. Well, I'm going to try not to put Anne in that spot. But as cumbersome as this doctrine is, it nevertheless is vitally important to us all. It is one of the cornerstone, primary doctrines, defining doctrines of the Christian faith. To deny the truth of this doctrine is to separate yourself from historic mainline Christianity. Even the National Council of Churches requires its member bodies to agree on that doctrine. And if you look at a lot of the cult groups in our world today, you will see that their differences from mainline Christianity has to do with their understanding of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Although the doctrine of the Trinity is very important in understanding God's nature, it is nowhere clearly spelled out in the Bible. The word Trinity is conspicuously absent from our Bibles. Yet in passages like 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13 that we read today, and also Matthew 28, we see references to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit causing the early church to work for several centuries in formulating the doctrine of the Trinity as they attempted to explain what we believed to a world that we were going out to convert. <clears throat> Let's look at some of those questions the early church was asking and being asked that gave birth to this doctrine. It's good to remember that Christianity came out of Judaism which had vigorously taught that there was only one God Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. God had revealed himself to his Hebrew children not as one of the gods or the chief God, but as the only God. Jesus taught that there was only one God. Early Christians were therefore monotheist. God alone is the creator. Everything else in existence was the created, something God made. <clears throat> but here's the problem. Who is Jesus? Was he creator or was he created? There were those in the early church that said that Jesus was only a human being, that is, just a creation. Others said that Jesus was only a divine ghost or apparition who only appeared to be human. <clears throat> But the apostles proclaimed that Jesus was the divine Son of God in human flesh, both fully human and fully God. Pentecost didn't clarify things either. It complicated the issue because the Holy Spirit came upon them. Who or what was that? Was the Holy Spirit something God had created or was the Holy Spirit the creator in our midst in a new way. As the church wrestled with this issue, it was criticized for carrying us back into paganism because it sounded like we were proclaiming three different gods. Can you begin to grasp the dilemma of the church fathers who wanted to find some way to preserve belief in only one God, but at the same time be able to affirm that Jesus was very different and special. He was God on earth, and the Spirit is God here. 
Further complicating the issue uh, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was how they are related to one another. Is one of them the boss? Who is second in command? Is the Father alone eternal without beginning or end? Or was Jesus in the beginning and the Spirit in the beginning and without end also? These questions divided the church as church leaders literally had fistfights on the streets in those early days, excommunicating one another from fellowship. The origin of the word Trinity to describe God can be traced to a man whose name was Origen, who lived from 185 to 254 AD. And then after the Roman Empire became officially Christian in 313 AD, Emperor Constantine was worried that this issue might do what invading armies had been unable to do for many centuries. Split up his empire, divide and defeat his empire. And so he paid all the expenses of various church leaders to attend the big summit meeting now known as the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. That council settled part of the conflict, but it took other councils meeting to, success, uh, to eventually settle it, and it wasn't until 381 at the Con Council of Constantinople that the issue was settled and the question finally packed away. And these answers uh, to this question they gave us in the form of the Nicene Creed, which said that there is one God, the Father Creator, the only begotten Son was part of that one Godhead, who was begotten, not made. That is, Christ is not a created being or a lesser God, but eternal God. True God from true God of one being and substance with the Father and the Holy Spirit, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. At last, the issues were mostly settled by this Trinitarian formula. There is only one God who has come to us in three distinct ways or relationships, and there is no inferiority or superiority in the Godhead. And since you cannot have a father without a child, both father and son have to be eternally together at the very beginning, or else there would be no father. God has been a Trinitarian God always. And by the way, you might be interested in knowing that this issue is what led to the split between the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church in 1054 AD. We in the West say that the Spirit proceeds from both Father and Son, while our Eastern brethren say that the Spirit proceeds from God only. So even today, this issue divides the church around the world along an East-West theological iron curtain. The doctrine of the Trinity teaches that the distinction between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in job or function as they relate to us, as he relates to us. See, you can't even talk about it without getting your tongue twisted. It's not in nature, but in relationship. Every person in the Trinity, in the one God, has a different role in our lives, a different task. In some ways, you think about it, each of us is at least a Trinitarian person. I am a father, I was a son, and I am a husband. 
and I have related in different ways to those different relationships. And, uh, and you have too, one person, and yet we have different ways of relating to different people. My function in the family has been based on the relationship to children, parents, and wife. That helps me a little bit in my understanding of God. Now, to call God Father is not to say that God is male, but rather to say that God's care and nature and relationship with us is parental in nature. We aren't God's pets, although some of us, I think, treat our pets better than we do our children. But we're not God's pets. We are his kids, his children. Um, what is it that our parents do for us? Our mothers give birth to us, and our fathers claim us as their own, giving us a last name. And they both give us loving discipline, ordering our lives, and they love us sacrificially. To call God our Father is to recognize that God gave us life by making us and that we have been adopted into his family and given the name Child of God and that God has given us commandments for guidance and discipline and that God loves us sacrificially as demonstrated by Christ. I hope that on this Father's Day, the fathers among us will allow their understanding of God to inform their relationship to their children. When I became a father uh, of my children, um, hardly a day went by that I didn't think about what an awesome responsibility it was and think about the fact that God was my father and that as God was patient, so patient with me, would you believe God is patient with me? you should, that I needed to have that same degree of patience with my own children. That's a challenge. And when our children were little, we talked what we thought was an easy thing. We said to our children, we will always love you. We didn't know they would become teenagers one day. <laughs> that got stretched pretty thin a few days. And some days, Penny and I would look at each other and say, you know, we promised these kids we'd always love them. Oh, my, why did we do that? Because God said he would always love us. And so we found patience and strength to go on. I hope that your understanding of God the Father will inform you as to how you are to respond as a mother and a father to your children. God never runs out of love for us. He might come close, but he never runs out of love. And the door to his heart is always open. I pray to God that our hearts will be godlike for our children. Our children's earliest concept of what God is like is formed as they look at their parents, primarily their daddy, because they feel a connection to their mothers, I guess because there once was a biological oneness there. But this guy over there, that's a totally separate being, this dad figure. And so a child looks and says, Heavenly Dad, this is like my Heavenly Father. To call God the Son is to celebrate the fact that God came to be one of us here on earth. Perhaps God chose to come to us as a child because even the hardest of hearts warm up to the presence of a child. 
Paul liked to call Jesus his big brother, my elder brother. It is true that sometimes you can connect easier to a sibling than you can to your parents. And perhaps that's why God came to us as a big brother to us. Perhaps by becoming our big brother, God was saying to us, you really can freely talk to God about anything because he's been there where you are. He understands because God the Son has been in flesh as we are in flesh. Whereas God the, the Father is the creator and the Son is the Savior, the Holy Spirit is that sustaining force in our daily lives. The Spirit is the presence of God that we experience day by day. If you feel God near you, that's the Spirit you're feeling. The Spirit is the strength that we draw upon to live the Christian life. My uh, uncle, retired pastor, well, deceased pastor now, dear Uncle Ralph Cannon, once wrote in the South Carolina United Methodist Advocate, what water is to fish and air is to humans, the Spirit is to Christians. The Spirit is the atmosphere in which we live and grow as Christians. And the Spirit is best seen by what the Spirit accomplishes in our lives. The Spirit convicts us of sin, leads us to faith in Christ, assures us that we're God's children, causes us to remember the lessons we've learned spiritually, conveys to us the will of God, empowers our lives, and fills us up with God's own goodness, growing the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. The doctrine of the Trinity is difficult to understand, and perhaps that's a good thing. God should always remain a mystery to us beyond our complete comprehension. If that wasn't true, God would not be God. But the doctrine of the Trinity does assure us that God loves us so tenderly and deeply that he gave life to us in the beginning, that he redeemed us when we went astray and, and left the right path, and that he sustains us daily with his presence, making his home in our hearts. God is truly an awesome God. He is one God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Amen.